I'm, I'm just so sick of this crap. I really, really am. I'm not sick of talking about football, though. We're doing all that today. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions like comment, subscribe, rate, review, please. And thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show. We just hit over 4,500 on the YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Thousands more on podcasts. Appreciate all of you. Here's what I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate people punching down. You know, we are taught growing up to not like bullies, to protect or have an instinct to want to protect people who can't always protect themselves in the way that they would perhaps like to be able to. It is at least hardwired in my DNA to look at people who are being unnecessarily put down, put upon, or put into a disadvantageous situation and empathize with them. It is apparently not that way for a lot of others in the media landscape. So I am beyond sick of national pundits who have platforms a lot larger than mine. I will always come on here, Washington State and Oregon State, and defend you and Chip Kelly will as well. And shout out to Chip Kelly for doing that because he's got a larger mouthpiece than I do here on this very podcast. I will always come on here and defend the right for Oregon State and Washington State to be in a power conference. They are deserving of that. Even though Washington State did not play a good football game this weekend, we'll talk about that later in the show. Those two deserve it. They've made that inexplicably clear. It, it is perfectly plain and obvious. So Colin Coward comes out when the Big Ten schedule got released, which frankly, I didn't care about a lot to begin with. I thought it was like, oh, you know, I'll mention it. I mentioned it on the show for like 60 seconds. He's doing a whole five minute segment on it. This is great. Look at these big matchups. This is awesome. Look, Oregon's going to play Penn State. I'm a Duck fan. I don't give a rip about Penn State. There's no history or tradition there. It's going to feel like a bowl game in the middle of the season. Sure, it'll be a cool spectacle, Oregon uniforms at a whiteout at Penn State if that happens. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Guess what? I don't care for what is happening to the sport in a lot of different ways. Washington's going to play Michigan. Okay? And so what? Big brands have played in bowl games and in the college football playoff going forward all the time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you college football. Here's the only thing Coward was right on. College football has a scheduling problem. I have been on that train since I started hosting this show. And I held that opinion from literally the moment I got out of college and as a broadcaster had shows where I aired opinions for people to listen to. I have always been on that train. It is the biggest issue in college football. It has a scheduling problem. No arguments here. The solution is not to just blow everything up. That is not the best solution to that particular problem. It's not the only one. It's not the best one. In fact, it's the worst one. I, I, I just cannot get behind people, and I don't understand people who just want to blow everything up, right? They, they, they just want to go. When, when Major League Baseball 
and the players union have disagreements and and major league baseball comes to the table with what are deemed to be unreasonable terms or unreasonable requests does anyone ever suggest hey players you know what just go start your own league just just forget major league baseball just just go play elsewhere nobody does that but in select instances we decide to right the pga tour is flawed oh live golf this is a great idea no it's not it's not it is not the best thing for consumers. It's not the best thing for fans. It is absolutely not. And I, I cannot stand people who lose sight of who makes sports great and what makes sports great. And so Coward comes on and takes a shot at Oregon State saying, well, USC isn't going to have that regional game with Oregon State. Oh, bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer. You bum, are you kidding me? This is a problem. Casual people who don't actually care about the sport. Colin Coward does not care about college football. He can he can claim to care about it. He doesn't care about it. He cares about it when, you know, a certain brand or two is involved. But every week, Joel Klatt goes on his show on Wednesday and absolutely rips his takes to shreds. Colin is, you know, having fun with it and being like not entirely serious because guess what? He can't be serious about his college football takes. He doesn't follow the sport. He doesn't know the sport. He doesn't love the sport. And yet he gets to have a show with an opinion that influences large swaths of the American population in the sports realm. And that is highly irritating to me. Imagine living in a world as an individual where you don't think Oregon State upsetting USC in Corvallis in 2008 when the Trojans were ranked number one, and it meaning everything to those fans, to that program, to that town. Imagine thinking we should just get rid of that so that we can have some television ratings. Spoken like a true guy who works for a company that is about to benefit financially from all this realignment crap. It was such a corporate mouthpiece absolutely garbage take and he's taken a shot at oregon state and washington state i'm sorry hold on colin coward is the best in the world and i have listened to him for a very long time he is the best in the world at what he does absolutely i think he is the best i'm still gonna listen to his show for his nfl and nba takes but when it comes to college football and major league baseball for that matter Coward should just, mm, why don't you park your takes in the parking lot and let people who actually cover the sport opine on such matters, like Joel Klatt, like Josh Payton. I don't even agree with Klatt all the time. Klatt is at least making arguments and is actually, you know, frustrated at the demise of the Pac-12. Coward will pretend to be upset. But like, like earlier this year, he said, oh, it's sad the Pac-12 is breaking up. Oh, yeah, you look heartbroken. Like all he is is a casual USC homer because he's in Los Angeles and they're a big brand who then comes on and makes an opinion that people interpret as serious. It's an incredibly unserious take and you should not be opining on a sport of which you know so little. I I, I cannot ever get behind that. It, it just, it drives me insane. It drives me insane. And what did Oregon State and Washington State do wrong again? How, how are they deserving? Shout out to Big Noon Kickoff, by the way, who flew old Crimson on their show and said, you're welcome here anytime. Fantastic. Good for you guys. Good for Matt Leinart and everybody else uh, that's a part of, uh, of, Big, Ain, of, uh, of Big Noon Kickoff. 
but everyone just feels the need to come out and attack Oregon State and attack Washington State. I'm sorry, when a bully takes a kid's lunch money and pushes them to the ground, do you walk over and give them a little kick in the ribs too? Like, what did they do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. These are factors beyond their control. The little second grader can't do anything when a sixth grader comes over and bullies him. You know why? Because he's bigger. Oregon State and Washington State can't help the fact that they're land-grant universities that are not located directly in the midst of major media markets. They, they, they can't do anything about that. What, why, why is it suddenly okay to just make them the butt of every single joke? It's not. That's the answer. It's absolutely not. And I like Colin Coward. I, I thought that was an abominable take. Absolutely ridiculous. He and McAfee both, like, I, I, I just can't put up with that crap. I, I cannot stand people who are just out there making this a joke. Like, so many people who have done so many things right for a long time at each of these universities are materially impacted by these decisions in a negative way. And all anybody wants to do is put them down and make jokes about them, not on this program. So I think that's all I've got to say there. Just absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. It's ridiculous how good athletic brewing is because I've, I've got a couple cans left in my fridge. They sent us some as hosts and yeah, I keep drinking them. You know why? Because they taste really good. So much like uh, Noah Fafita in Arizona had some game-changing moments in Los Angeles on Saturday night. <laughs> Com- commentary on that coming here momentarily. Athletic brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're great tasting and award-winning. They beat up full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's talk about football. Let's talk about football. It was quite the week six, wasn't it? It was It was quite the week six, which brings us to our uh, favorite segment here on the show, at least my favorite segment. And that's Monday winners and losers post a uh, college football weekend. So there are uh, five labels, for those of you that are new here, that you can receive. And it is my assessment of how I believe the fan base of each particular team should be feeling. Not how the fans are actually feeling, but based on their performance in the rest of the season and context and everything like that, how they should be feeling right now. And we'll start at the high end of things. 
the biggest winner of week six, the UCLA Bruins. How about that game? That defense, if that defense had been there a season ago, their new defense coordinator deserves a lot of credit. If he'd been there a season ago, I'm not so sure the Bruins aren't playing the Pac-12 championship game. They certainly would not have lost to Arizona, and I don't think they would have lost to USC either. They probably still lose to Oregon on the road, but they beat Utah on the end of the regular season 9-3. and three. I'm not so certain they wouldn't have gone 11-1. and one. That UCLA defense has taken a massive step forward. And I talk going into the game about their front four because I've watched them all year and I think they look fast, physical, and tenacious and they dominated the game. And they alone. UCLA did enough offensively in this one. They ran the ball well. Carson Steele was really good. They turned over Cam Ward a couple times. They got pressure. The Cougars could not do anything. And the biggest key I talked about going into this game was the line of scrimmage. Well, UCLA dominated that. Now, I'd looked at it primarily from the other side of things. The Cougs D-line against the Bruins offensive line. Cougs D-line, I thought, did a pretty good job. They did a pretty good job. They picked off Dante Moore a couple times. Took it to the house at the end of the half. The Cougars defense did their job in this game. The offense did not. And that's because UCLA's front four and their front seven writ large were utterly dominant. They were not good. They were not great. They were dominant in this football game. UCLA is back in the top 25, at least I believe they are, and they absolutely should be. And look, here's the thing. The Bruins have one Pac-12 loss to Utah, but just one. And I suspect that by the time the regular season comes to a close, you're going to have an 8-1 and team in the Pac-12 title game in league play and a 7-2 and team, and we'll sort out the tiebreakers later. So the Bruins avoid their second loss. The Bruins also avoid Oregon and Washington. That's a massive break. And they play Oregon State next. What a game. What a game that will be. UCLA, look, Dante Moore is exactly what I thought he would be. He has been all season long. When he makes a good throw, you go, whoa, 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 that guy. That guy's good. That was a heck of a throw. And then he throws a pick six inside the 15-yard line. Or he threw interceptions in the end zone earlier this year. Like, that's what a true freshman does. Even one as highly recruited as him, he, he is going to be really, really good one day. And right now, he's solid. He, he is solid. He can make good throws. He can make bad decisions as well and gets rattled under pressure. That's, the part of, that's part of the learning curve as a true freshman. But UCLA, the big outright winner here in week six because they reestablished themselves as a top 25 team. They established themselves as a Pac-12 contender because of their scheduling breaks. They still have a long ways to go, but certainly you have to like what you're seeing from the side of the ball. That has been the biggest weakness time and again with Chip Kelly's teams as the head coach of the Bruins. And this is the best defense UCLA has had. It's not the best offense they've had. Okay, because you're working in a true freshman quarterback, which I think is the right move given what the other talent they have in that room. This is the best defense UCLA has had. And they controlled and won that football game for Chip Kelly. And there's been plenty of talk about Chip and his ability to win big games as the head coach of the Bruins. That was a big game. That was a big game. It didn't feel as big because it was you know on Pac-12 Network and uh, UCLA's crowds, like, eh, they're just okay and whatnot. But Washington State was playing really, really well. I said going into it, look, my one thing with the Cougs, you got to be able to prove it on the road here. I thought they could get it done. They didn't. They had their chances, but offensively, they just got outmatched uh, along the the trenches. And Cam Ward never got settled, turned the ball over for the first time this year. 
What do you know the Cougs lose? That's kind of how things go with uh, Cam Ward and Washington State, whose season is not over, by the way. Okay, handful of teams in the lean win department. Arizona. Oh, oh, oh boy. Remember, it's winners, lean win, no vibe, lean lose, and losers. Oh, my goodness. Arizona. I described that game going into it as one that USC could not lose. Well, I, I guess I could technically come on here and say I was right. It doesn't feel like I was right, though, was it? Like, uh, that, that was a game in which Arizona failed to learn the lesson from Colorado State and ended up losing the game. You took USC, top 10 USC, on the road to triple overtime with a backup quarterback? I thought a number of things about Arizona before the season. Number one, I think they're a pretty good football team. Number two, I think their defense is a lot better than it was a season ago because they've added the personnel they needed to compete at the Power 5 level in a greater capacity. Guess what? I thought going into that game, they would hold USC to their lowest point total of the season. In regulation, that held out. That was true. 28-28, what an ending. A missed field goal and then a high snap and a, oh man, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. But the story of that game is Arizona because the Wildcats are a pretty darn good football team. And that's coming from a guy who, before the season started, said they have home games against Utah, more coming up on the Utes a little bit later, and Oregon State, who are Pac-12 contenders, and my preseason schedule predictions had them winning both of those games because they were at home. How crazy does that look right now? They almost beat USC on the road. Could they beat Utah or Oregon State at home? (laughs) Yeah, seems kind of possible. Arizona, good week for the Cats. Oregon State goes in the lean win department, not quite on Arizona's level, but here's the thing with Oregon State. DJ Uyunglele won them that football game. It certainly wasn't their defense, and it certainly wasn't Trent Bray. Everything doesn't feel great for Oregon State at the moment. Like It's it's not always where you would like it to be, but DJ Uyunglele lived up to the hype in that game after three straight weeks of really not playing very well. He went on the road against a Cal team that got torched by Washington, but otherwise has played good defense this year, and he had his best game as a Beaver. And that right there, that game, and why I put this in the lean win is because DJ Uyunglele proved that bringing him in was worth it. If Bengal Branton is in, Oregon State is losing that football game. They are losing the football game. But DJ was there making big-time throws. He was accurate throwing it down the field. He protected the football. And Oregon State put up a bunch of points. And also helped my Pac-12 prime picks come out 2-2 two and two, uh, from the weekend. But Oregon State, a lean win there because they proved that bringing in DJU, look, he's not perfect, but he is certainly better than what they had a season ago. And when your defense and run game can't carry you, you got to have the quarterback be able to step up. And he did that. Anthony Gould, what a football game. My goodness. Uh, The Bears did not play particularly well. Uh, Real quick, the final lean win before I uh, continue continue along. Uh, There are two, actually. Stanford gets a lean win because you know what? They didn't lose. Uh, anybody who takes that seriously is uh, taking life a little bit too seriously. Uh, Colorado was a lean win for me. Colorado is a lean win for me right now. Why? Well, because they went on the road and they won a football game in Colorado. 
Not going to have that many chances to win a football game this year, but also not going to have as few chances as Arizona State, uh, who I'll get to later in the show. You'll always have a chance to keep your ride or die alive with eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money. Back with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need, the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Colorado is a lean win for me. Now, I have to say, I'm not very happy with you Buffs fans. Well, not Buffs fans, Buffs team. I'm not, I'm not particularly happy with the Buffs team. I can still assess them objectively and say, this is a lean win. Why am I not happy with them? Because I had them in my Pac-12 prime picks as my favorite pick of the week. They led by seven. I needed them to cover four and a half with three minutes to go. And the football couldn't pick up enough first downs. And then Arizona State goes on like a 90 plus yard scoring drive to tie things up. The Buffs with another clutch performance from Shador Sanders, go down the field, kick a game-winning field goal. I was that close. I was that close to in a week that only featured four games getting back over 500 on the season instead of one game under. You're killing me, Colorado. You're killing me. But not killing your chances to make a bowl game. Colorado has now surpassed their win total for the year. That's a victory for sure. They're 4-2 and two on the season. Proved that they can go on the road and win. And also, once again, showed they can win in more than one way. It doesn't have to always be a shootout. The offense didn't play quite as well as I thought. 27-24 the final score. I thought it'd be 34-24. Wasn't that far off. Had Arizona State score nailed perfectly. And that's some solid defense from the Buffs. Is Arizona State a great offense? No. But you know what you should do against a good off or against an offense that isn't very good? Hold them under 27 points. 27 should enough should be enough to win the game, and it was. So Colorado, again, late in the game, was able to execute, got it done, and d- did I think they'd cover? Sure, I, I, I did. But Colorado, at the end of the day, wins that football game and puts themselves in a great position to make a bowl game in 2023, which would be a really successful season for Coach Prime and uh, the bus. No vibe this week for Oregon and Washington. They're on a bye. If anything, it's maybe a lean win because the hype machine for that game is going to be outstandingly large. It's going to be very big, very, very big. But no vibe this week for Oregon and Washington who go into a week seven college game day showdown, as they should be, undefeated. It's quite the script, isn't it? The border war, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Oregon, Washington coming off a bye. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Okay, lean lose. Let's start with Arizona State. Had a chance to win the football game. This is not a terrible lean lose. It's just Arizona State isn't going to have a lot of chances to win football games this year, and that was one of them. That was one of them. In my expected range of outcomes that I talked about on Thursday's show, and I think I'll keep doing as uh, time goes on, I saw a world in which Arizona State could have won the football game. They were in a position to potentially do so, They just didn't. You didn't take advantage of a weak Buffs defense. Colorado got the better of you there. Now, the good news for ASU is 
I liked that Brian Ward hires, their defense coordinator this offseason. Boy, that guy's good. That guy's really, really good. ASU plays some real nice defense, and that can help keep you in games this year. Their schedule is just, it's hard to find a lot of wins when you can't move the ball consistently. And if you can't move it consistently on Colorado, which they were not able to do, like 17 points was less than two minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Colorado's among the worst defenses you're going to play this year. So it's only going to get a lot tougher. And unfortunately for, a- for ASU fans, 1-11 does not feel out of the realm of possibility. I-, I Frankly, at this point, I had them 3-9 and nine before the season started. If they got there, I'd call that a win. I don't know if they can get there. So ASU will lean loose. The California Golden Bears. The California Golden Bears, who have no idea what's happening at quarterback. Is Mendoza suddenly the guy? Heck, he might be. But then again, Oregon State's defense on the road apparently just goes to sleep. Like I don't, I don't understand the, the gap. Like Oregon State goes from dominant defense at home to horrendous defense on the road. I understand there being a gap, but you go from like one end of the spectrum to the complete and polar opposite end of the spectrum. And Cal's offense took advantage of that. That's a good thing. Oregon State put puts up a, a, a fifty burger on you. I, I mean, I mean, cow, 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 cow. My beloved California Golden Bears. You, you, you could say some would say I wouldn't. Well, maybe I would. Look, I told you to hammer the over four and a half when the season started. This was a chance for Cal to win. Oregon State is not the most dominant team physically. They'll play this season compared to a Washington, for instance, or maybe an Oregon, or uh, I don't know about USC, but they came in and put up 52 points on your home field. Look, it's one thing to lose the football game and not cover nine and a half, which I didn't think they would. That line came cratering down to seven and a half, and I was like, eh, I don't know, I got a nine and a half, we'll see. Yeah, Oregon State was able to, the over-under in this game was like 51 and a half, and Oregon State scored 52 points. That's a poor defensive effort. That is a poor defensive effort from the Bears. They could have won the football game. When you score 40 points in a game and lose, I, I can't put you in the no-vibe category. I'm sorry. That's a lean-lose uh, through and through. Uh, unless unless you're Arizona. That's eh, that's different because, you know, that's also an overtime. Like, this is regulation. 40 points in overtime is a little bit different. So, um, Noah Fafita, man, did he have one heck of a football game. All right, um, wrapping up with these two, Washington State and the lean lose. Okay, here's here's the good news, Coug fans. Season is not over. Goals can still be obtained. Schedule is still favorable. Here's the downside. First big game you played or the best team you've played away from Martin Stadium because they've, they've still got two top 20 wins. Oregon State, good team. Wisconsin, pretty good team. They win at home. They go on the road against UCLA and a true freshman quarterback and a great defense, and that was a dud. That was an offensive dud. Defense played well enough to win the game. I had the final score, Washington State 30, UCLA 23. UCLA puts up 25 points. If you told me that before the game, I'd say, oh, Washington State should be able to win. Yeah, they weren't. It was the turnover-ridden Cam Ward. The offensive line was outmatched, which was my biggest concern with the Cougs. And they go on the road. They're not able to run the football. They get reliant on Cam Ward. And he was rattled because of Latu Latu and the Murphy brothers. Like, those are some dudes to get after the quarterback with. UCLA's got players in the front four. 
really, really good ones. And they completely overwhelmed and just mauled the Washington State offensive line. Cam Ward never got settled. Like It was a bad offensive day for Washington State. Defense played as it should have, as well as it could have been expected to, given that the offense was going in three and outing basically all day long. That's a lean-lose for Washington State. Season's not over. Okay, long way to go. Scheduling breaks still to be enjoyed. But that's a tough one to see. That, that, is a, that is a tough one to see if you're a Washington State fan. And finally, in the lean-lose department this week, here, here's, here's one out of left field, Utah. Spencer, Utah didn't play. Why are they in the lean-lose department? Well, what have I been saying about Utah for the last couple weeks? Hey, I know they're winning these football games, and that's great, and they have a great defense, and Whittingham's a really good coach, but if they're going to win the Pac-12 again, they need Cam Rising. Well, Cam Rising came out on the radio recently and basically said, yeah, everybody said I tore my ACL. Uh, That's not true. And then listed like two other parts of his knee that he destroyed and had the same, or, or you know, that he injured. Obviously, he didn't destroy it on purpose. That sounded intentional. My bad. But he had the same procedure that Kyler Murray and Hendon Hooker had, who had it a month or two before him, and they're not expected to play for several weeks. That is not a good place to be if you're a Utah fan. The, the, the Utes this week have got Cal at home. Good thing it's at home, but if Cam Rising doesn't play again, we're going to ask the question again, is he going to play at all? And if he doesn't, guess what? The Utes are out as a Pac-12 title contender. Period, point blank, end of story. You cannot score enough points. It, it just is not going to happen with Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes back there. It won't. So that wasn't great for uh, the Utes. Okay. Uh, no vibe on the Pac-12 prime picks, by the way. Two and two. Uh, Wazoo plus three and a half. Nope. Colorado minus four and a half. Nope. And I was sitting there going, Psh, is this going to be 0 and 4? And then Arizona and Oregon State clutched up. Minus nine and a half plus 21 and a half. So if I'd had a fifth game, who knows how it would have gone. We'll see this week. Uh, question here to wrap up today's show. This from the camel. Mailbag always open, by the way. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. The camel asks, would love your take on pro comps for the starters of our quarterback conference. What current pros do you think the pack quarterbacks project to keep up the good work? Appreciate you. Uh, I went through and just did the ones who are like actual starters. Uh, so, you know, I had Sam Jackson on there, but then he didn't start on Saturday. I, I would say Sam Jackson is Justin Fields. Um, that's kind of the, the comp. I'm going to roll through these real quick. If you want a more detailed explanation, by all means, let me know. Uh, and I can I can go in more depth on tomorrow's show. But Patrick Mahomes for Caleb Williams. Michael Penix, Tua. It's not just that they're lefties. They're mobile-ish, but not really. And, you know, they kind of similar throwing motions. And they throw really good deep ball. Bo Nix, Dak Prescott, Cameron Ward, Russell Wilson, Shadur Sanders, CJ Stroud, Cam Rising, Ryan Tannehill, I like that one a lot, Jaden Delora, well, Jaden Delora's not really starting right now, so I couldn't really get to that, but if if I did go with with Jaden Delora, I mean, look, there, there are a lot of different ones, let me come back to that in just a sec, Dante Moore, Jimmy Garoppolo, makes sense, more you think about it. Uh, you could also go with Brock Purdy for Dante Moore. DJ Uyunglele, Kirk Cousins. Both are kind of statues in the pocket, can make really good throws, but can also make, you know, 
one of these throws. For those listening on podcasts, I'm scratching my head. Head scratching throws, uh, bonehead play uh, every now and then. Uh, you may have figured out that I, I forgot to write one down for, for Jaden Delora before I came on to uh, record the show. But I mean, there isn't really a pro comp for him because I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have the arm for it. And I hope he's able to to come back. Although I don't know if Arizona needs him. No, Fafita looked really, really good. Uh, he looked he looked really, really good. But I, I mean, Delora, I'll go with Sam Darnold in that he's you know mobile, throws on the run, kind of reckless, but you know makes a spectacular play every now and then. But can also kind of be a, a a turnover machine. So great question. Keep him coming. YouTube comments or on Twitter. And again, if you want you know more detailed explanation of those, uh, just let me know. But we ran a little long on today's show. It happens. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.